Am I? Hey. All right. Awesome. You guys doing good? Champions. Come on. How many of you have never heard me? So most of you have. Sweet. Awesome. Look, I want to tell you this. Like we, we are going to do Woods 1 session tomorrow at 12 o'clock. 12 to 1, and it's Saturday, 12 to 1. How many of you guys can come? I need as many to come as possible. It's not on the schedule, but what I want to do is I want to, I want to help equip you to be able to share your faith everywhere you go. Listen, if you're a Christian and you don't want to share your faith, you need saved. I'm not kidding. Look, this is not just for evangelists. This is for every believer. Look, when the, when the disciples got saved, they weren't the only ones sharing their faith. It wasn't just the 12 disciples. It was all of them. See, when the baptism of the Holy Ghost came, which a lot of the church doesn't believe in, but I'm promising you that it's real. We need God's power, actually. If we don't have his power, look, when people meet you, they're not looking for you. They're looking for Jesus. And the only way that we can give them Jesus is if God would give us the same thing that he gave the disciples. Look, you've got, you've got Peter, and I'm just going to use some examples, and I'm going to share my faith a little bit and hope to stir you up and fire you up and stoke fires that are kind of going out and take trash out that you've put on. Because if you're not on fire, it's just because it's smoldering and you've packed your head with trash. Because if you believe the wrong gospel, which is not the good news, it's the bad news. If you believe the bad news, it's not going to help anybody. And it's definitely not going to save people. My phone is ringing. So let's just pray, okay? Everybody put their hands on their hearts, please. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for everybody in here. God, I thank you for grace. I thank you that Jesus, you said in the parable of all parables, you said, have ears to hear. And people couldn't understand. And God, you came to the disciples. Jesus, you spoke to the disciples. And they said, why do you speak in parables? He said, to you... It's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But to them, it's outside. That hearing, they should hear. And it's talking about the Jewish people, and it's talking about right then, they were blind and they couldn't hear. But to us as disciples, it's been given to know the mysteries concerning the kingdom. So Jesus, we're asking you for ears to hear. Everybody say it. Ears to hear. Ears to hear. Eyes, to see. Eyes to see. Ears to hear. Ears to hear. Eyes to see. What the, Spirit of the Lord what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, is saying. in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Okay. So there is no possibility for any of about what I'm about to share is going to make sense unless the Holy Spirit would make it real. I will not share outside of Scripture. I'll keep it inside of Scripture because my opinion, apart from the truth of what the Word says, doesn't matter. And your opinion doesn't matter apart from what God's Word says. Are we clear? Sometimes people see my dreadlocks and say, this guy, he's, he's like one of those hippie wild men that really doesn't fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is my number one, my number one pursuit and has been my number one pursuit since I got saved 14 years ago. 14 years ago was the end of 22 years of addiction, atheism, anger, and hatred. I destroyed people's lives on a daily basis. I manipulated, I maneuvered, I lied. I came to steal, kill, and destroy. And I hurt a lot of people. And a lot of people 
in my life, I wounded them in such a way that it was really hard for them to see anything that I said was real. There took time for me to walk this out, and they had to be able to see the reality of the gospel walked out in my life. Jesus never judges a book by its cover. He wants to rewrite the book. He wants to rewrite the book of your life, and he wants to train you and teach you, but it's not from the outside in, it's from the inside out. So people try to get to God through religion, and it never works. Religion will not take you closer to God. Religion will make you form opinions about God. Religion will make you form rules and regulations that you can't follow, nor the people that you're trying to make follow, follow. That is not rebellion. That does not mean that the Bible is without rules. That just means that if you're trying to obey him in your own strength, you will always fall short. But if you completely and utterly surrender to the king of glory and let him have your life and offer your life as a living sacrifice, and you commit to submission to God. So the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. You have no ability to fight the devil or to resist him in your own strength. See, what we have to see here is the Bible says in, in the first commandment, when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second commandment is like it. Now he told them that these two commandments, all the law and the prophets hang on. So what he's saying is in the New Testament, every law, every commandment hang on two scriptures. It's to love God with every part of me, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. That is full surrender. My spirit, born again, my body in submission to God. Realizing that I've become flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. Realizing that when I submit my life to God, when I become one spirit with him, which is scriptural, my spirit who was headed the wrong direction, when I get born again, my spirit is now headed in the right direction and I'm in unity to the Holy Spirit. So now the Holy Spirit and my spirit make a link and they hook up together and he never goes away. When you become born again, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you like a fountain. He, Jesus said, he who comes to me will never thirst again. Because the only thing that satisfies the thirst of life is living water. And the only way to have that living water is to drink from him. When you drink from him, everything shifts and everything changes. The mind thinks that it has it figured out. But until you start to renew your mind and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, you still think the way that the old man thinks. This morning I shared about a baby and I shared about a pacifier. I shared about our son that we adopted who was a heroin addict when he was born. Born to a woman that had shot up for 21 years. He's born in the womb and he has nothing that he can do about being born addicted. He is coming out and he's going to be addicted. Within 24 hours, his legs are shaking, his heartbeat, is, his heartbeat is going through the roof, his breathing. And if he doesn't have methadone, short of a miracle, that boy, is, it could have, he, he could die because of withdrawal. That little baby, when he was born, had nothing that he could do about being born. Most Christians that I meet have problems with rejection. And a lot of it stems from their parents or how they grew up or how they were raised or how a dad treated them or how a dad walked out or how a mom treated them or what an uncle did to them. Your identity 
when you become born again, completely changes, and the reality is, is the spirit of adoption that comes from the best father that there ever could be in the whole universe. Everything is in the palm of his hand, and he wants to fill you with his fullness. And his fullness is all according to the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. So we have to understand that when we get saved, that word saved is a Greek word, and the Greek word means it's actually translated from the word sozo. That word sozo means this. So it says to believe in your heart and to confess with your mouth, and you shall be saved. That word saved means this, means saved, healed, delivered, protected, to be made whole, to be kept safe and sound, to be kept safe from harm. So the church, in the large portion of the church, has meant that if you pray a prayer, you will be saved and get to heaven. But that's not what he said. That's part of it. If I pray a prayer to get to heaven, I will look at the world and I will be totally bummed out about how things are going. And all of a sudden, I will hunker down into a four-walled church. I love the church. I'm part of one. I go to Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas with Pastor Robert Morris. He's my pastor. I love the local church. But church was never meant to be a place where you pray for Jesus to rescue you out of here from the big bad devil. You are supposed to be filled with heaven, with the Holy Spirit in you and upon you. And you are supposed to stomp hell for a living. You are not supposed to sit there and be run over by the devil and his tactics. We are not supposed to be unwise, but we are supposed to know the wiles and tactics of the enemy. We are supposed to not be unwise to his schemes. He's a schemer. He's a liar. He's a transgressor. He is messed up, and he messed up big time, and there's no hope for him. He's depressed. He's angry. He's bitter. He's ashamed. He's afraid, and he has no chance to ever repent. And he wants Christians to think like him. Well, they raise their hands in worship and try to get some kind of goosebump experience, but never connect to their heavenly father. I'm going to say it again. The devil wants us to act like we have relationship, to go to worship services and to live and to raise our hands. And then he wants us to cuss out our wife on the way to the restaurant. That is demonic strategy. That is not who you are. You were created to be like Jesus. Not to be like Jesus and say, I am Jesus, you're beneath me. No, Jesus washed feet. Jesus came to serve. Jesus came to model what servant leadership looked like. Jesus modeled a Christian life that was totally off the charts and off the wall. When you look at his life and you look at how he lived, See, what we don't understand and what people, they like to twist the messages that I share. See, what we have to understand is Jesus was fully God. Fully God. But when he humbled himself and became a bondservant, the word of God says in James that the Bible says that it is impossible for God to be tempted. And it it's impossible for God to tempt. Jesus was tempted at all points, yet without sin. This scripture alone validates that Jesus did not come here to play out and act as God. He came here as the son of man. He was fully the son of God, had all the divinity. There's nothing taken away from Jesus. But in order for him to fulfill the covenant, he had to be tempted at all points. And in order for the covenant to be established between you 
and God, me and God, a man, a man had to die holy, perfect, without sin in order for us to enter into a new covenant or a new testament. You guys all right? This right here, this right here makes people kind of shake, but I need you to hear me. I need you to hear this and understand this because when I start sharing that Jesus was the son of man, it's almost like we don't read that when we read the Bible. But Jesus said, the son of man has come. The son of man has come. He did that so that he could bring us to God. Are you with me? Is anybody in the back with me? Okay, yay. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm thinking only the people up front are listening. Everybody in the back is going, who is this heretic? <laughs> I love the Lord with everything that I am. But understand this. When I got saved, I, I never saw anybody walk out Jesus in front of me. For 34 years, I lived as an addict, and not one of you approached me and told me about him. Everybody was afraid of me, and my Bible says, my Bible says that the liars, the thieves, the prostitutes, and the destitute, they followed Jesus, and they didn't even understand what he was saying. They wanted to be around him. Jesus didn't compromise his faith. Jesus didn't compromise the gospel. Jesus didn't water it down to reach the prostitute. No, he preached a strong message. The only people that were mad at him were Pharisees. Jesus preached a message that was so strong and so in your face. And the reason why the Pharisees, and I'm not calling anybody here a Pharisee. Listen, if the shoe fits, kick it off. I'm not calling anybody here a Pharisee. I'm telling you that the biggest issue with the Pharisees with Jesus was they wanted to be bigger, higher, and better. It's called self-righteousness. And it's filthy rags to the Father. And there's nobody that will be justified in their flesh. Nobody. Nobody. Jesus paid a price. So watch. Jesus is born. I'm going to check my time because I'm going to make sure that I am ending on time. Oh my goodness. It's 2.14. I have so much time. Wow! You have no idea how happy that makes me. It seems like time just goes, whoa, where'd it go? That's because there's no time in heaven and it's supposed to be on earth the same as it is in heaven. <laughs> so Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Now, Mary was with no man. When God placed Jesus in Mary's belly, he did so because of this. See, all generational curses and everything that comes through comes through the Father's line. When God was impregnated, when he impregnated Mary and placed Jesus in there, every line was done. It was finished because there is no curse in the line of Jesus. Are you with me? This is just one reason. But Jesus had to become fully man, yet he was fully God. But he had to humble himself. When you read in James, he humbled himself, became a bondservant. Now a bondservant is a slave that's been set free but decides to still work for the master. Ugh. Jesus came and was born of the Virgin Mary. He grew up in this world. He did not walk out the law as God. Why? God established covenant with Moses. Moses was given the law. This law was between God and man. 
God did not want that covenant between God and man. He wanted man to just come to the mountain. But all of them resisted and said, Moses, you talk to him. We're deathly afraid. Moses said, don't be afraid. It was Mount Sinai. Don't be afraid. It is good. God wants to put his fear in you. So God wanted to put the fear of the Lord inside of them so that they didn't sin against them. But they refused. They went through Moses. They never walked out anything. And they all fell short. Everybody fell short. This covenant had to be satisfied by a man. So when Jesus came, he was born of the Virgin Mary. Now, very important. Jesus did no miracles regardless of what movie you might have seen until after he was baptized in the River Jordan. What does that mean for you and I? Now, Jesus was without sin, completely without sin, never sinned. Jesus did miracles. How did he do them? Did he do them as God or did he do them as a man baptized and filled with God? Here's where we don't understand, but I want to try to make it as clear as I can, okay? Are you guys all right? When Jesus healed the sick, and I'm going to go back into Jesus' life, and then we're going to talk about this again. See, this session is called living unto the Lord. See, it says in Colossians 3.17, whatever I do, whether in word or in deed, I am to do it as unto the Lord and not for people. That means that when I'm pumping gas, I'm pumping gas as unto the Lord. That means that when I get up in the morning, I am waking up and my first thing isn't to hit the snooze button six times. I am waking up as unto the Lord. When I eat breakfast, I'm eating breakfast as unto the Lord. When I'm in a lunchroom and all my colleagues are making fun of somebody, I am going to stand up. And I'm going to talk to them because I serve Jesus. I'm not going to rebuke them. I'm going to talk to them about what grace looks like. And I'm going to explain to them that these guys are valuable and so are you. And they're going to ridicule me. And they're going to mock me. And they're going to scoff me. And I'm blessed because I suffer unto righteousness sake. It is not a sin to stand up for Jesus. It is a sin to be silent when people are mocking your God. When David heard people mocking his God. David is a boy that killed a lion and a bear in the wilderness when no one was looking. And he took a sheep, a lion did, and David snatched the lion and smote the lion when no one was looking. And when David came out and there were Philistines that were mocking God, there was a whole army with a king named Saul that was there. David's brothers was there. David just came because he just came to give them some, some cheese and some bread. He came to check on the brothers because dad sent him. He comes out there and he's like, wait a minute. Who is going to shut this uncircumcised Philistine's mouth that's mocking God? Do you understand that there are giants out there, but none are bigger than our king. None. None. That uncircumcised Philistine, why did he point that out? Because circumcision was part of the covenant. And David was a covenant boy. And Jesse was a covenant dad. And his brothers were covenant brothers. But they were in fear. But David was in the wilderness. And he spent time with God out there. He had the most humble job. He was a sheep herder. Just like Moses. And when he was out there, 
God spoke to him and he spoke back to God. He talked to God and he ministered with his harp unto the Lord. Ministered. So when that giant was mocking that army, church, when you hear somebody that's mocking the church and mocking the body of Christ, we need to know who our God is and know that every giant that mocks the church of God will drop to the ground. Some of you should be way more happy. Some of you have been Christians for too long. Come on, this isn't for some young whippersnapper. This is for every child of God. This is for everyone, young and old. All of us, the fathers and the sons and the mothers and the daughters being brought together to run as one. Now's the time to rise up in unity and to have a unity of faith that the world has never seen. To have some kind of a bond that the world has never seen. It's not okay for the nation of Islam to dominate this world when the church should rise up and drop every giant that tries to come her way. When David said to them, I'll kill this giant, who is he? He has no covenant with a God. We are the only ones that have covenant with God. David knew this, and he was under the law, and David knew it. And David went and told the king, and the king's like, you're just a boy. He said, no, I got God. I ain't just a boy. I got God. Do you understand that kids don't get a junior Holy Ghost? Do you know that children don't get a junior Holy Spirit? You want your kids to not be sucked into pornography? Then train them in the power of God. You want your kids to not be sucked up in the world? Then teach them the power of God. You want them to be pushed away from PlayStation and pushed away? Then teach them who Jesus is. Don't medicate your kids. Don't sit there and hand them an iPad. Just stay busy. I'm busy. Go ahead. It's like a babysitter. You are letting the world babysit your kids, man. We need to train our kids up in the ways of the Lord. There will be a weapon in the master's hand. And they will slay every devil that comes their way. Some of you think I'm just a motivational speaker. No, I slay devils daily. I pray for the sick. I believe the whole gospel. I don't rip out pages that I'm uncomfortable with. I know that I need the comforter. We all have the ability to have the same relationship. I am nobody special. I'm just fully surrendered. And I am burning with the zeal of the Lord. And I am on fire with him. Guys, he's our only hope. He's our only hope. Don't just sit there and cheer people on, man. Run this race. Run it. It's not a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a race. And you are not in control of whether you marathon or sprint. You run. You run hard. You run well. Get possessed by Jesus and crush hell. Oh. So good. I, I love him. Uh, see, you don't understand. See, I, I am possessed by Jesus. You can't kill me. I'm never going to die. No, no, no. Listen, I'm going to put off the tent. But to live is Christ and to die is gain. You can't say that unless you surrender. You can't say that if you just go to church and you go through the motions. You can't. You can't live this life unless you actually get up with Jesus and open your Bible and ask God to reveal who he really is. 
This isn't faith comes by having read the Bible. That's not what it is. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You're not, faith doesn't even come by reading. Faith comes by fellowship with him. Faith comes by hearing his voice. Well, I had never heard his voice. Well, Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. And you guys are sheep. You're not goats. You are sheep. And we have a shepherd and his name is Jesus. And he wants to speak to each and every one of you. You start talking about gifts and stuff and, and a lot of the church freaks out. Well, that, that died with the disciples. Now, that's because one of your pastors some way down the way prayed for somebody and healing didn't happen. So they made a doctrine to validate a lack of power. I don't even want to hear that stuff. No. One minute time, there was a woman that came up today. We were praying for her and a tumor disappeared out of her belly. Right there. People are like, well, I wasn't there. I don't believe it. You're a doubter. Jesus loves you, but he's not going to sit there and water the gospel down to satisfy religion. No. How could we shift so far from the days of the disciples and say when the disciples died, all that stuff ended? Are you kidding me? Look up a man named John G. Lake. Look up some of these people. Spokane, Washington was where he had healing rooms. It was back in the early 1900s. The mayor of Spokane, Washington declared Spokane as the healthiest city in America. 100,000 healings documented by medical studies. 80,000 were terminal illnesses sent home to die. Medically documented, the Better Business Bureau investigated him and said, we are going to check this out because these are very odd claims. They dropped the investigation halfway through and said, this is way more than we can handle. Why would you want half the Bible? Look, if you take all the miracles, you took the whole Bible away. Do you think that your life isn't a miracle? Are you kidding? See, we water faith down to praying for somebody and not seeing it happen. So we allow that to determine the word instead of allowing the word to determine our faith. And we let our experience speak louder than the truth. And we've elevated experience over what God's word said. Because there's no perseverance, there's no pressing in. There's no waiting on the Lord. Going into the secret place and saying, God, I met with somebody today. And I didn't see that blind eye open. But you said that it should happen. You said these signs will follow them that believe. I need to see breakthrough. Because they came to meet with you. And they only met with me. And neither of us were impressed. We need to believe the word. We need to believe the truth. Are you guys okay? Am I scaring any of you? See, I've been in all kinds of circles. I've been in front of all kinds of people that tell me all kinds of things. And what you say doesn't matter. My king is king. See, David was told by Saul, you're going to die. He's a beast. He's literally in beast mode. You're going down. This guy's a seasoned warrior. You're only a boy. David goes, no, 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 I got God. Well, here, try my armor on. It doesn't fit. I don't need no armor. David goes and gets five smooth stones. Let me tell you something. Church, you know what happened on that day? See, David went down and got five stones. See, Goliath comes, and he is this champion, and he's got a shield bearer. He's got a guy in front of him with a big shield because he needs protection, see? But David, I can just picture him. Giant, oh, you send a boy 
with sticks and stones. What? Today you're going to die. David's like, I don't think so. It sounds funny, but that's how it sounded to the giant. See, because the tone of David's voice didn't change the aim of the stone. And that giant held that sword out at David and said, today you're going down. And that very sword that he pointed at David, it was used for something completely different. See, that day... David took aim. The giant came stomping. I bet there was a dust cloud and everything. I bet the dust was stirring because it's desert. He's coming after David. David, bang, boom, sinks it in his forehead. I bet the dust cloud when that giant hit the ground was way bigger than his footsteps. Oh, oh, listen. Now, the Israelites were, oh my gosh, what, what's going on right now? This can't be. This can't be. That's my brother. He's full of pride and... What's going on? Came to bring cheese and bread and what? No, David, oh, that's not good enough. They have to see this. He takes the sword that the giant pointed at him just a couple of moments before. Boom! Chops the head off the giant. Picks the head, I'm sure it took two hands. Picks the head up. The man was nine foot seven, his head was big. He holds the head up, bleeding out the neck. See, it's gross, isn't it? Oh, it's not gross. It's, it's champion is what it is. He shows the army and the whole church. The whole church. They saw one person plow through. They saw one person break through. And a timid, scared, fearful church got up, took up their swords and rah, went there and plowed the Philistines. Why? Because one boy that knew God went and chopped off a Philistine without a covenant. Now the Bible says, Jesus says that John the Baptist was the greatest of Old Testament prophets. Now, David was amazing. Elijah was amazing. Elisha was amazing. All of them. All of these prophets in the Old Testament. All of them. Ezekiel picked up by his locks. I'm talking, can these dry bones live? These prophets, and it says, all of them. None of these prophets were greater than John. John the Baptist out there preparing the way of the Lord. Why? John the Baptist said something to Jesus when he came down to the river. Let me back up. Jesus grows up. The only account we have is 11 years old. Mary and Joseph lost God. Left him at the temple. They go back. They find him talking to the Pharisees. The wisdom in the boy right then was astounding. The questions that he asked was astounding. And all of a sudden, you've got these Pharisees that are wondering, who is this boy? Well, they were going to find out one day. So David grows up, and at 30 years old, he comes down to the River Jordan. Now, no miracles had happened yet. None of them. No miracles in Jesus' life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit needed to come and baptize Jesus. Watch. Comes to the river. John the Baptist, the greatest of all Old Testament prophets, were down there at the river. John sees Jesus coming. Jesus comes to John and said, John, I need you to baptize me. John goes, uh, 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 I need your baptism and you come to me. Jesus was telling John to baptize. John said he needed Jesus' baptism, which was true. But John couldn't get that baptism because that wasn't given until the day of Pentecost. 
so powerful. So Jesus gets baptized by John, permitted to be so now that righteousness might be, might be fulfilled. The fulfillment of righteousness means that a man walked out the whole Old Testament. The whole covenant. In other words, all the laws and all of the commandments. So Jesus goes down in that water. He comes up out. It says the heavens were open for him. A voice comes from heaven. And this is what happens when you see the cross and you see what it's done for you. See, Jesus hears the voice from the Father. This is my son, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit descends, rests upon Jesus, and it says he remains. And the heavens were opened for Jesus. Jesus goes out into the wilderness for 40 days. He is tempted. First temptation. If you really are the son, come on. Do something to prove it. Change these stones into bread. Jesus responds. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. Why did he say that? It is scripture, but why else? Because the last thing Jesus heard from the father before he went out with is this is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased. So Jesus was saying, God just said he was pleased with me. I don't have to do anything to prove that he is. So powerful. Takes him up, second temptation, lifts him up high, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. The devil does in a moment. He says, all these kingdoms, it's in Luke 4, you can read it. I can give them to whoever I wish because they've been delivered unto me. If you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give them to you. How did the devil get those kingdoms? Satan took them from Adam and Eve in the garden when they handed over the keys of dominion. Satan took the keys. He's dangling them saying, I know what you came for. You came for the keys. If you worship me, you can have them. Jesus said, uh-uh, worship the Lord thy God only. Third temptation. After that, Jesus comes out of the wilderness and the Holy Ghost and power and heals everybody that's oppressed by the devil. Doing good, healing all, Acts 10, 38. Listen. Jesus didn't heal the sick as God. He healed the sick as a man in right relationship with God, filled with the Holy Spirit. John 5, 19, Jesus said, the son can do nothing of himself. What he's saying is I can do nothing by myself. What I do, I do because the father does it. For what the father does, the son does in like manner. What he's saying is I can't do anything in my own strength. Everything I do depends upon him. He lives in me. Jesus said, John 10, 25, he says this. He goes, if you don't believe me through the things that I say, at least believe me through the things that I do, the works that I do. For it's the Father who dwells in me who does the works. Oh. Romans 8, 11 says that the same, if the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. Now watch. Jesus did miracles through agency of Holy Spirit, God in him. Now, the mystery has been revealed. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. But Christ in you without coming out is like a lake. Christ coming out of you, Christ in you is the hope of glory. But Christ flowing through you is the reason why Christ came to live in you in the first place. Rivers out of their belly will flow rivers of living water. So Jesus, when he healed the sick, he did not do it as God. He did it as a man in right relationship with God. Fully God and fully man, but laid his divinity aside so that he could do what he did as the son of man when he was on this earth. Are you guys connecting at all? 
Oh, very short amount of time now. Okay, so where does the Holy Spirit live? Where? In you. Okay, so Holy Spirit lives in you. So what we want is we want the Holy Spirit to flow through us. So when we pray, it's our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. The kingdom of God is neither meat nor drink, but is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when we pray for his kingdom to flow, his kingdom come, his will be done on this earth the same as it is in heaven. Is there any sickness in heaven? Is there addiction in heaven? Is there depression in heaven? Is there anxiety in heaven? Is there blind eyes? Deaf ears? Then it's God's will for it to be on earth the same as it is in heaven. Now look, people are like, well, that's not how I've been taught. I'm telling you, repent and change the way you think. Why would you want to get to heaven and find out that everything was available to you and you utilized none of it before you got there? There are people that are going to hell every day and you can be the one that interrupts what they call their path. I need everybody to stand up for me, please. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. I have equipped you whether you believe it or not. And tomorrow, if you show up at Woods 1, we're going to go after this thing from 12 to 1. And then we're going to go after this thing again on Saturday at Woods 1 from 12 to 1. Remember, it's not on your schedule. Text as many people to get there. It's during lunch. There's nothing happening anyway. Just fast lunch and come on. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to pray for the sick right now, okay? I need all of you to participate, even if you don't believe because you get healed anyway. Why? Because he's bigger than you. So I want everybody to put their hand on somebody right now, please. Come on, guys. Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to pray a short prayer. Why? We're just going to yell the name Jesus, okay? It's really not in the length of our prayer. It's not even how you pray. It's faith. And it's in his name. His name. That's what it is. It's the name of Jesus. So when we say Jesus, bunches of people are going to get healed. Are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus! I want you to check your body physically of anything that you had right now all over the field. No matter what. Just check. Shoulders. Whatever it was. Knees. Whatever it was. Check. Neck. Ears. Anything. If it's gone, wave both your hands in the air right now. Come on. Wave both your hands if it's gone. Now look, I want you to wave your hands if you're healed right now. Come on, that's not hard. Put your hands on somebody again. Let's do it again right now. Now I want you to really pray, and I really want you to put faith in his name, because it's the name of Jesus. Are you ready? On the count of three, I want you to have faith in the name of Jesus for sickness to leave, because the Bible says these signs will follow them that Believe. We are believers, yes? So on the count of three, we're going to yell, Jesus, and this stuff's leaving. Deaf ears are opening. Are you ready? One, two, three. Jesus! Now check your body again all over the field. 
Come on, really check. If it was your back bend, if it was your knees squat, whatever it was, check it out. If it was your neck, do this. Come on, if it's gone, if it's gone, I need you to wave your hands. Look at that right there, look. Come on, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to lift up a shout of praise to Jesus. Come on, real loud, one, two, three, Jesus. Bless you guys, I love you.